Welcome to the podcast series, Parenting Tips, brought to you by the Family Health and Wellness Educators of Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County's Community Education Program. Hi, I'm Roy McNish, host of this series. We provide up-to-the-minute research-based information regarding child development, positive parenting practices, nutrition, and health issues for parents and family caregivers, as well as for professionals who work with families. I'm pleased to welcome Kerry Cray Retta, Human Development Specialist, who will be joining us today to talk about the importance of play for children. Kerry specializes in early childhood development as well as health and wellness throughout the life cycle. Hey, Kerry, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rory. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This is a a very interesting topic you have here today. And uh, why don't we just jump right into it? So tell me a little bit about play. Well, you know, Rory, we could be here for a while. There's a lot to talk about. You know, it, it seems like such a simple concept, but play is a very complex topic. Just to start, there are so many different types of play. So we can talk about free play, active play, structured play, parallel play, pretend play, cooperative play. And that is just, you know, to name a few. But what you'll hear me say as we talk more that it doesn't matter what type of play, the research is very clear that play is really important for children's well-being. It's so important that the American Academy of Pediatrics clinical report stated that the need for unstructured free play in the life of children is so important to optimal child development that it has been recognized by the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights as a right of every child. Wow. Impressive, right? Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, You know, play benefits children in each domain of development like nothing else does. It helps children learn about the world, develop skills that they need to interact with others, helps them learn to manage their emotions. It promotes curiosity. It has so many great things um, that it provides for children. And yet we know all of this and we have the research Mm -hmm. that tells us play is good for children but the amount of time that children spend playing has been steadily decreasing since the 1950s. Why is play declining like that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, One is actually due to parental fear. Mm -hmm. There are many parents who just don't feel comfortable allowing their children to play outdoors the way they did in past generations. Right, right. And in some communities, this is real reason for concern. However, in many cases, this fear is unfounded and has actually been created by the media. Mm -hmm. One night I speak with parents and they express concern over their children being abducted. And, you know, I, my children were once young. I I remember that fear myself. Sure. Yeah, me too. Just to put things in perspective a little, the missing persons clearinghouse annual report states that in Suffolk County, one child was abducted in the year 2020, and that was by a family member. Mm -hmm. So while it's important for parents to be smart, we want them to take their child's age and maturity level into consideration and to provide appropriate supervision. We also don't want them to be paralyzed by fear. Right. I suggest parents do their own research and make an informed decision about whether their child should be allowed to play outdoors or not. Another reason play looks different now is that families and neighborhoods have changed. 
I can remember being a child and playing out in the neighborhood with a group of kids, you know, all different ages, not an adult in sight. Um, We knew there was a mom nearby if something happened, right? right? We knew there was an adult if we needed it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we were out there, we had our freedom. And uh, now we know most parents are working Kids are scheduled into a lot of activities, and if there's too many scheduled activities, it doesn't leave very much time left for free play. Media and technology have also changed the way children spend their time. Um, Using a smartphone or a tablet is different than playing, yet screens do take up a lot of children's valuable time. And then one other factor in this reduced amount of play for children is that we're seeing the loss of recess in schools as schools are becoming increasingly academic, even Mm -hmm. at earlier and earlier grades, they are um, either decreasing the amount of time for recess or have done away with it altogether. And that is just another lost opportunity for play. Now you keep using the term free play. And can you explain uh, what you mean by that? What I mean by free play is play that is unstructured, child initiated, creative play. Um, I actually like the way the American Academy of Pediatrics defines play. So I'll, I'll share their definition. Okay. They say there is a growing consensus that play is an activity that is intrinsically motivated, entails active engagement and results in joyful discovery. Play is voluntary and often has no extrinsic goals. It is fun and often spontaneous. If we just pick this apart a little bit, there are some key words for me. The first is intrinsically motivated. So this means it's child-led rather than initiated by adults. It's unstructured and it's voluntary. The next portion of that definition is it entails active engagement. So this means play is not passive. It allows children to develop their imaginations. The next part says results in joyful discovery, right? Children by nature are curious and they learn by exploring and experiencing the world around them and having real life experiences. If we take just a moment to go back to how children's time is being spent using technology and and media, that gives a child a 2D experience. It's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. real life. right? And so much more happens with real life experiences where children can get dirty and, you know, have hands on. Mm-hmm. And then that last part just says play has no extrinsic goals. And so what this means is that play should not be about an adult's agenda. We know that children will certainly learn skills and gain knowledge through play, but we don't want that to be the ultimate goal. Play should just be free so that the children can initiate it and the play can kind of take the child where that child needs to be. I'd like to know a little bit more about how, you know, play benefits the child's development. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It's amazing. Play hits every domain of development, right? So there's the physical development, Mm -hmm. there's intellectual development, there's uh, social development and emotional development. And play hits all of these categories. If we want to look first at physical development, 
we know that play can help children develop and strengthen both their fine and their gross motor skills. So active play, things like running and jumping, um, that's going to build strength, coordination, and balance. It's also going to help our children stay fit and it will reduce the likelihood that they will struggle with obesity. And that is another concern that we're seeing with children. They're having more obesity at, at rates we've not seen before. Mm-hmm. But then if you have what I would call less active play, things like arts and crafts, for example, that's going to help children to develop their fine motor skills. And those are important for when they get to school and they want to hold a pencil. They need to have those muscles developed so that they can draw and write, do their math. You're preparing them for learning, more learning. Absolutely. So much learning happens through play before children have even gotten to kindergarten. If we look at intellectual development, or this can also be called cognitive development, play is very important, especially in this, in the early years, those first couple of years of life where so much brain development happens because play actually promotes neural growth. Play allows for active learning. It fosters curiosity, which is so important for lifelong learning And through play, children develop language skills. They um, help to build executive function skills, which are really important for school success down the road. If we want to talk about social skills, we have to think about when children play together, right? They have to learn how to negotiate, cooperate, follow rules. They need to learn how to share, listen to other people. Um, they also learn how to read body language and make eye contact, right. To see things from another person's perspective. Hmm. So in many ways, um, this is actually promoting leadership skills. All right. And then lastly, we'll look at emotional development. Uh, play helps children work through their emotions during pretend play. Sometimes if a child, for example, has some anxiety about going to a doctor's, uh, appointment, they may take their doll and they become the doctor and they can work through what they anticipate will happen in that doctor's office and they have control over the outcome. And that really helps them process any emotions they may have of, you know, anxiety or fear. Mm -hmm. Play also builds resilience and it provides stress relief. And as we're hearing more and more about some of the struggles that children are having with mental health, play becomes even more important to their well-being. I was reading a report not long ago entitled Whole Child Developing Mind, Body, and Spirit Through Outdoor Play. And this was from the National Wildlife Foundation. And I, I just wanted to share a couple of points in, you know, from the report about the benefits of children playing outdoors. Okay, sure. They say playing outside inspires an active imagination. Children who spend time outdoors learn to work as a team and are better problem solvers as adults. And the report goes on to say that these children also score higher on assessments of cognitive ability and standardized tests. In addition, being out in nature reduces stress levels and improves behavior and outdoor play promotes kindness. The report says that when children play outside, they are more likely to play nice because being outdoors creates compassion and improves social bonds. Very interesting. Yeah. It's, there's so many benefits. In fact, um, some others include being more physically fit, 
again, a reduced risk of obesity, better sleep. I am hearing from parents that their children and them as adults Mm -hmm. are, are struggling with sleep. So being outdoors in nature helps with that. It also helps with eyesight, you know, as we're spending so much more time on screens, being out in nature helps Mm -hmm. our eyes to stay healthy. Good old vitamin D. Yeah, that's another benefit. (laughs) Um, You know, some sunshine is good for us, not too much, but a little bit. It helps us to create vitamin D, which has really important health benefits. And one other benefit of children playing outside is reduced symptoms of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, you know, if we think about the many concerns that parents have for their children's physical health, their mental well being, their character development, school success, you know, being outside, playing outdoors checks a lot of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Sure. But what the studies are showing is that children, in most cases, spend fewer than 10 minutes a day playing outdoors. Really? Only 10 minutes? Only 10 minutes. Wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, it does make you think it, it, you know, maybe we need to start putting in our daily plan time outdoors. Yeah. Now hearing that, um, do you have any suggestions uh, for parents, you know, regarding more play for their children and, you know, getting them motivated to, to play? I can offer a few suggestions. Um, I do think it's very helpful if adults think of toys more as play props that will encourage active and imaginative play. So you want to give your child things that can be used in many ways, such as blocks or art supplies. Consider things that may not traditionally be considered toys, such as cardboard boxes, paper towel tubes, you know, different kitchen items. You can use empty food containers, even rocks or sticks, you know, things that nature provides. Give these to your child and see what your child can think of to do with them. These are things that will encourage children's creativity and their imagination. I can actually remember a time many years ago uh, when I was cleaning out a closet and I came across this old blanket that I had kind of forgotten was in there, got shoved to the back of the closet. And I gave it to my daughter who was three at the time. And she took it and it kept her busy for hours. I kept checking in with her. It was amazing what she decided to do (laughs) with this blanket. It was a prop for her play. It was great. Yeah. Um, one time when I checked on her, she had laid it out on the floor and she had brought all her dolls and her stuffed animals down and they were all having a picnic on the blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, when you give your kid, uh, you know, a hundred dollar toy and, and they end up playing with the, the box that it came with. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because there's <laughs> actually, um, a rule of thumb with, with buying toys, you want the toy to only be 10% of the play, mm-hmm. meaning that your child is the other 90%, right? right? right They're right. bringing their okay. imagination to the play. Mm-hmm. The more the toy does, the less the child creates. So the more bells and whistles, the, the less they have to do. Exactly. And that's be, exactly you know, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's good to know. I mean, that really uh, gives you 
you know, as you're buying toys, even as a grandparent now we're, you know, we, we buy a lot of, you know, uh, like Play-Doh and, you know, crayons and all that, you know, so those are, those are what you're saying are pretty good because then they, that brings out the imaginative side of the kid as they're playing. Exactly. And they'll also grow with the child, you know, they'll, they'll fine tune their skills. So a three-year-old with a crayon will do different things than a 10-year-old with a crayon. And and those are the kinds of toys you want to be thinking about where Mm -hmm. a child of many different ages can use it in many different ways. Um, It's really best to avoid overly scripted or character toys especially if we're talking about young children. If a toy comes with its own script, the child's not going to create their own script, right? So Mm -hmm. especially if if a child is familiar with a television show, for example, and that show has a certain character. Mm. If the child has that character as a toy, then what they're most likely to do is just imitate what they've been seeing on the show right? Right. rather than creating their own story. So that's okay. really a lost opportunity for creative play. Gives me uh, some food for thought when we're, when we're getting toys and, and play things for our grandkids. Great. Good, yeah. Especially with any holidays or birthdays coming up. Coming up. Oh, there's, there's many of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, good. I'm glad I'm giving you some things to think about. Oh, yeah. Um, Another suggestion that I have for parents is to protect free play by allowing your child to have time to play and to avoid overscheduling your child into structured activities. You know, I hear a lot of adults say, oh, he's just playing. Mm -hmm. That word just bothers me a little bit because there's really no other more important or beneficial activity for children than playing, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially again, those, those younger children who have not yet even started school, the foundation for their academic learning really is created in those first five years through play. We want them to have a really solid foundation of being curious learners because that will impact um, their future learning. While I know a lot of um, parents feel pressure to fill their children's time with academic activities and enrichment programs, but I would say pick and choose wisely and make sure that there is time for that free play that we talked about, because in most cases, this is going to be more age appropriate and also more beneficial to the child. What the research tells us is that children need play in order for true learning to occur. And the last suggestion that I'll I'll share is to just keep a careful eye on how much time children are using screens and to make sure that that is balanced with other activities. It is so easy for screen time to very quickly get out of hand. And what can happen is once a child starts using screens, they become passive learners mm-hmm. and then they can lose that desire to be active, curious learners. And again, that can impact their future learning in negative ways. What the recommendation is from the American Academy of Pediatrics is that children over two years of age spend no more than one to two hours per day of high quality educational media. And for children who are not yet to, 
they actually recommend no time with media hmm. unless it is to do something like Skyping or Zooming or okay. FaceTiming with, let's say you have relatives that you know live far away and you can have that interaction through a screen. But otherwise they do say to avoid that for those, those very young children. It's so tempting to have that screen as a babysitter rather than, you know, a, a, a tool, right? It, you know, you, you got, you're busy, you're, you're doing dinner and, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, no, now you realize your, your kid is, you know, two hours in front of the screen and, you know, you've lost all that time that he, he or she could be playing, right? Yeah. Well, that's what happens. You know, the screens are just so easy. So mm. if, if you didn't uh, give it any thought, you know, didn't, didn't plan, like maybe you stuck a few toys or a, a book in the diaper bag, or before you started getting ready for dinner, you set up, you know, some bowls and some wooden spoons for them to play with in the kitchen. Um, it's, it's very easy to just have that screen, whatever it is, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a television, that's always handy. You know, we carry our phones right. with us everywhere. So just a little planning yeah. can really help to keep the screen time in balance with other things. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. I mean, it, it's always, uh, I always learn um, when I'm talking to you guys, which is great. You know, as a grandparent, we didn't have screens back in the day. So, you know, I find myself even spending too much time there. And I said, ah, let me go out and play. Now I can say it oh. and just go and play, right? That's it's great. Yeah. probably good you for know, adults, adults too. Need to play too. That's it. That's it. That's well, thanks great. again. Thanks and so much, uh, Rory. It's always yeah. fun talking to you. Absolutely. We'll, we'll see you again. Okay. Take care. Well, that's our podcast on the importance of play for children. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your comments about today's topic. You can email Kerry at kkr5 at cornell.edu. And for more information on this topic, check out our blog at blogs.cornell.edu forward slash community education. You can also visit our website at ccesuffolk.org and look for community education, family health and wellness. And look for us on Facebook and Instagram at CCE Suffolk County Community Education and Nutrition. Bye now.